Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. This is actually Austin Parr from Discount Fishing Tackle filling in for Terry Wickstrom while he is out on assignment, maybe getting a little fishing in. In studio with me, I have Bob Hicks, the Regional Director of Pheasants Forever. And we're going to go right to the phones right now and talk with Nathan Zelensky. Nate, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Talk about a lot of talent in studio. Holy cow. <laughs> well, we're, we're doing our best here while Terry's gone, talking about all kinds of fishing updates and pheasant hunting updates. And it sounds like you're going to talk to us about some mule deer updates. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. I want to talk just kind of, uh, we're going to talk about some mule deer, talk about some wall, and kind of update everybody. Obviously, uh, as, a, as an avid outdoorsman in Colorado, this time of year is hard. We keep saying that every week, and we're trying not to be redundant, but you have so many opportunities, and especially this week, because we're going to lose a lot of our boating opportunities in the high country this week, so we're trying to make the most of the, you know, the pike and the wall, or the pike and the trout up in the high country before all those lakes close, uh, you know, to boating. And obviously the front range fishing is good, but we had a, a significant thing. We're going to talk about mule deer first, just because that snowstorm that hit us, you know, going on, you know, 10 days ago now, um, it was a significant snowfall and it was kind of different than normal snowfalls that we get uh, in, a, in a normal time of year of October here in Colorado. And we had a good snowfall. Some periods of the mountain or some areas of the mountain got, you know, 18, 20 inches of snow. Some got, you know, 10, 12 inches of snow, but it was a really moist snow, obviously, because our temperatures are warm. So we had this really wet, moist snow. And then that Sunday night, we had extreme cold. We got down to five, 10 below and it froze and it capped and it really made feeding in the high country really hard for the elk and deer. So we had a migration uh, of both mule deer and elk coming out of that high country into lower ground. Now, as we melt, we're seeing some of the elk start to migrate up, especially the bulls after the second rut's over. We're seeing the bulls kind of suck back up in elevation. But the one big thing that's different than normal is we're not in the mule deer rut, but we are close enough to where once those big bucks got pushed out of that high country, they're not going to return. They know that in the coming weeks, it's going to be time to start rutting. So it basically added a two to three week window on some mature, bigger bucks that we normally don't see. A lot of the hunters, maybe you hunt second rifle, which you only know, have today and tomorrow, and that's the end of second rifle. Uh, but if you are a normal second rifle hunter and you do a lot of deer hunting this time of year, you're being exposed to deer that you normally don't see. And if you're a hunter that, especially a rifle hunter that applies for that fourth rifle deer tag, basically the rut tag of Colorado if you're a mountain hunter. So if you're that guy that seeks out that fourth rifle tag, obviously in some areas it can be hard to draw and you might draw it every couple of years or every three or four years. All of a sudden this year we had that earlier migration. Even though they're not running yet, it pushed these deer down to your hunting grounds um, and it's providing a, an extreme opportunity to people that have that second and third tag and obviously if you have a fourth tag, you're going to be well ahead of the game. Um, so we just want to turn tables on that and just talk to people, especially as, you know, sometimes there's leftover tags or reissue tags.
bags. Um, this is going to be the year for mule deer. We're already seeing more and bigger bucks getting harvested than I've ever seen this time of year. Um, and those numbers are going to continue to grow, uh, especially as we get into this third rifle coming up, just because these animals are pushed down in, in their, their almost rutting grounds before the rut happens, just exposing them, making for some awesome opportunity. Well, it sounds fantastic. And, you know, I've been seeing some fantastic bucks uh, being harvested already this season. And, and you know, you're, you're just uh, further emphasizing that fact. Exactly. You know, so, so I think the one thing I want to touch base on here real quick as we, as we do this, to a guy that's listening to this show or a girl, you know, any hunter, somebody who's listening to this show and is like, man, you know, this sounds awesome. Maybe you're not a, a hardcore enthusiast of mule deer hunting. You maybe just go out and you look for deer and, you, you know, you shoot the one you like. Um, for somebody who's going to take the season a little more serious this year, so whether you're out there hunting now and you have three hunts left tonight, tomorrow, um, or you're a guy that has a, a third rifle tag or a fourth rifle tag, but especially the tail end of second rifle and the third rifle hunt, if you're a person that has a buck tag and you want to make the most of it, you're going to look for the most mature deer, you want to take advantage of this earlier basically migration of deer uh, that we're seeing this year. If you want to do that, the biggest thing is even though they're exposed, even though these big deer got pushed down into to lower elevations, they're, they're available to where maybe they normally are in the timber or normally in high country, you still have to make the most of your day. Those big bucks are not ruddy yet. So obviously when a big deer gets really heavy in the rut, I don't ever want to say they become stupid, but they definitely lose some fear. You know, they'll chase does, you know, near roads. They'll stay out all day long looking for does that are in heat. And they really expose themselves all day. When they're not quite in the rut, but they're still in this country, they are still fairly heavy nocturnal animals. So you really want to put a major focus early in the day and late in the day. So you want to put a, a major focus on that first hour of daylight, that last hour of daylight. Now, I'm not saying you have to necessarily hunt them in this time, but you want to be behind your optics. You want to locate these big bucks and just watch them. And a lot of times these big bucks will bed out in the open. So if you have these tags now, spend your time, especially that first hour behind glass. Use your spotting scope. You know, look miles away. Find these big deer. Watch which little drainage or bush they go behind. Watch where they bed. And then you can spend all day pursuing them and getting the right stock and getting into shooting position. But really, especially as these big bucks are still so smart and not rutting enough to make bad decisions, find them early, put them to bed, and then make the most of that hunt throughout the course of the day. And that's going to be your ultimate way uh, to create success in this kind of early pre-rut conditions on these bigger deer. Sure. You know, I mean, finding that big buck under the the spotting scope, you know, getting him in that draw, like you were saying, you know, if you can find them in that early morning hour, you're able to at least hunt him a little bit later into the day after you've located him. Exactly, exactly. So it's a good usage of your time. You know, so, where so many of the elk will bed down to where you don't have huntable opportunity during the day. The deer usually give you that huntable opportunity during the day, but it's like finding a needle in a haystack just randomly walking around trying to jump them. You're far better to, to bed them early when they're on their feet, watch where they go. You can put three or four butt, you know, big bucks down to bed, know where they're at, and you can spend all day chasing them. Let, let it get high noon. Let them get sleepy. They're, they're as much like a person as anything else. You know, get their full bellies at night. They're tired all night. 
and they bed down, and that high sun hits them, they start getting real, you know, they're almost dozing off, almost snoozing. Um, and that's the time to make their approach. By then, your thermals and your wind are in a real consistent direction. Uh, the grass isn't frozen anymore. You can you make some real quiet approaches. Uh, you'll have less gear on, and you can really create a successful hunt. So, again, we're, uh, we're calling. I mean, obviously, we've had a great hunting season for elk, but we're going to call this the, the year mule deer. So, uh, you know, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to keep talking to you about the ruts. We'll fill you in as we start seeing more rut activity. Um, and kind of walk everybody through that. But uh, right now, it's, uh, it's the start of the uh, the mule deer talk, for sure. Well, that sounds fantastic. Well, let's shift gears for a second here. Um, you know, I've been seeing a bunch of you guys out uh, with Tightline Outdoors guiding uh, for the walleyes and certainly up in the high country. Why don't you give us a little update on, on some of those blade bait walleyes? Absolutely. You know, I mean, we're, we're obviously going to lose, like, your Anteros and your Spinny sure. and a lot of these premium pike and trout reservoirs, uh, you know, at the end of the month here, coming up here, actually, I guess, at the end of the month, next week. Uh, so we're going to lose a lot of those opportunities. So it's definitely worth fishing. Uh, if you can get out the next couple of days, go hit those big trout, especially more than the pike. The, the big rainbows at Spinny and the mass number of fish in Antero. Go catch fish in Antero. Mark all your ice fishing coordinates while you can get out there with your boat. Mark your weed lines. Everything's going to be the same. But in regards to the premium bite right now in the state is the walleye. I couldn't agree all more. All the fisheries are, are, are fishing well, but right now those big walleyes are on fire. I mean, we obviously target a lot of big walleyes in the spring. Um, you know, I personally am a huge night fisherman. I love fishing March and April for big fish. But to be honest, the, the most predictable big fish bite of the entire year is right now. The full moon of October presents a daytime and a nighttime bite for big walleyes that, again, is the most predictable bite of the year. And you're going to have a phenomenal night bite right now. Obviously, we were just coming off that full moon. The night bite is tremendous. You can go out and throw jerk baits, throw small swim baits. You can cast. You can troll. You can do a lot of things at night and catch those fish, but you also get a tremendous day bite. Now, the, the crazy thing about the day bite this time of year is these big fish are doing a lot of nighttime feeding, a lot of nocturnal feeding, but they also get hungry during the day. Now, the cool thing about this is it's really a midday type bite. Everybody gets out there right now at first light and last light, and they're, they're hitting those low light periods, which is great. But there's also a bite sometime between that 10 and 2. Sometimes it might only be an hour and a half, two hours long. But there's a reaction bite, fishing blade baits, right now at all of our reservoirs, midday, high noon, flat water. As a walleye angler, it's everything that you would say is the worst time to fish. Uh, but you can go to that deeper water, you can find these bigger fish, and you can just beat them, find them, park on top of them, and literally just beat them on top of the head with reaction baits. Uh, and it will blow your mind at the, at the quality fish you're seeing. We've seen uh, ourselves and some of our Tightline Pro staff, uh, guys that are putting literally, you know, 80 to 100 pounds of walleye in their boat in a trip right now. Um, I mean, we're seeing fish up to 14 pounds, a lot of 28 to 30 inch fish. Uh, it, it's absolutely tremendous right now. And that's, uh, that's going to go all the way to fall. But while you still have the benefits of this full moon, you know, today, tomorrow, the next couple of days, nighttime and midday fishing is a, is a phenomenal time to get out and catch these big walleyes. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, I've been doing the, the same thing out there. It's been, you know, ridiculously effective as of late. You know, some days, certainly with how the pressure coming in um, and changing some days are better than others but you know getting out there and and even like you mentioned in the middle of the day has been been better than a lot of people could ever anticipate in all your reservoirs whether you're at cherry creek or chatfield or or aurora or even pueblo you know we've been here in that exactly. middle of the day pueblo bite's been great 
It's awesome, and I love it because I obviously uh, I'm living with the animals right now and hunting, so I can I can go up, you know, hunt a couple hours from Denver. I can glass all my deer in the morning, even hunt them, or, or elk, you know, keep an eye on the animals. I can run down, hit Cherry Creek, Chatfield midday, and I can get back up for the hunting at night. So uh, <laughs> I can tell you, the midday uh, walleye bite is what I have been all about. That uh, that 11 to 2 o'clock thing is just phenomenal for me. And again, it's one of those things. Take a rod on your lunch break. You know, if you you work in the the Denver Metro or Pueblo, you know, there's a walleye water near even the sauger or sawguy waters in, in the metro area you know think about hitting those midday fish especially while you have this nocturnal activity right now the fish are still feeding at least twice a day when that wind is extremely cold it'll slow down their metabolism a little bit but right now they're still gorging on two major meals a day and uh, you can definitely take advantage of that midday bite and, and catch some tremendous fish that's for sure Absolutely. Well, still some uh, high country opportunities. So anybody out there listening, like you mentioned there, Nate, head on up there. Uh, what are you seeing up there just real quick before we have to go? You know, the biggest thing I think is you have a couple of options on, on the high country fishing. We're just now seeing the fish retreat to a little bit deeper water. We've had a, a tremendous shallow water bite in less than five feet of water uh, going for about the last three weeks. We're starting to see a little bit more than the majority of the, the trout pulling out of that super shallow, uh, and they're starting to sit in a little bit deeper water. So excuse me, that 12 to 18 feet of water is fishing really well for the trout right now. There's still some fish shallow, so that shallow water bite is still remaining. Uh, doing a lot of Tasmanian devils, you obviously have a, a tremendous selection of those. Uh, then we're also doing a lot of tube jigs. So between the spoons and the, and the jigs, uh, those are our two predominant ways of catching these fish. Uh, so I always check the shallow water first because those fish are a little bit more energetic, probably a little bit more entertaining, I would say. So I always hit the shallow water fish first, check them. If they're going, I stick with them. If they're not going, I retreat back to that 12 to 18 feet of water at like a spinny, uh, and tear and pull it back to that 10 to 12 feet of water. Um, and I, you know, you can vertical jig. A lot of times I'm swimming jigs. I actually never make bottom contact because all the vegetation. Cast out that tube, do big swimming strokes, two, three foot swimming strokes, and just swim them a foot, two feet off bottom in a, in a walk the dog style motion underwater uh, and work that bait right back. And uh, you can have some tremendous days on some of those really big fish right now. And again, that opportunity is going to end, uh, you know, coming up later this week. So yeah. get out there and take advantage for certain. I mean, the ice is right around the corner. And as you mentioned, you know, for instance, at Antero with that early ice, that's going to be on us before we know it. And if you can get out there and get some of those spots marked on some GPS, you can you know, transition from a great open water bite to a fantastic hard water bite here in just a few weeks. That's it. You know, talking about ice, I believe this week, don't quote me, but I believe on uh, on, the, on November 1st, we're going to have our website updated with all the ice addiction facts. We have some major changes this year. We have some big changes with the way that we're going to do our ticketing. Uh, we're going to try to avoid having people stand out there all night to get their place in line. Uh, so we have some major changes with ice addiction, uh, all for the better. We took everybody's advice. So I believe November 1st, we'll have all that updated. And again, don't quote me, but I believe all these tickets will go on sale November 15th. Uh, with the way the new ticket process works everybody wants to make sure they buy their tickets early uh to basically reserve a, a location in line uh to get out there on the ice fairly early so again just everybody that follows ice addiction or tournament series uh coming up later this week we'll definitely have some updated information on the website everything about the new processes uh and then again middle of the month our tickets will go on sale so again uh ice is right around the corner like you said we're excited about it so i uh, just make sure you stay tuned to the website for that and then obviously everything else for about guided trips is available at tightlineoutdoors.com Excellent, Nate. Well, we certainly appreciate you calling in as always. We'll be looking forward to the Ice Addiction Tournament. You have some great locations there, and hopefully a lot of fish will get caught. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much. You guys both have a great day. Thank you, Nate. That sounds fantastic there. The bite, as usual, this time of year is just about as good as you can get. 
So when we get back, we're going to talk with Matt Dill from St. Croix Rods. We're going to talk about some fantastic new options from St. Croix, as well as how to select a rod for this state. We'll be back after this timeout on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. My name is Austin Parr, and I manage Discount Fishing Tackle on South Santa Fe Drive, and I am filling in for Terry this week while he is out on assignment. In studio with me, I have the Regional Director of Pheasants Forever and former fishing store owner Bob Hicks. He's very familiar with St. Croix Rods, and right now we're going to go to the phones and talk with Matt Dill, who is the Regional Representative for St. Croix Rods. Matt, how are you? Hey, good morning, guys. So I want to kind of shift gears a little bit here. You know, we talk about so much about the various fishing reports and everything, and, and I want to slide over and, and talk about how to actually select a rod. Now, we all know that St. Croix Rods has a massive selection of various products, but what do you actually look for when you are selecting a rod to target fish in Colorado? Yeah, Austin, you know, whether you're, uh, you know, getting into fishing and, and you just want a quality rod or, or, or maybe you are the upper echelon and fish tournaments, you, you look at that item description on, on, on our rods and, other, you know, the other rods manufacturers. And, and uh, you know, it, within that description, it, it, it tells you a lot of things. It tells, you, um, it tells you about the power of the rod, the action of the rod. And uh, I think you've got to break it down when you're selecting into those two categories. And the power really talks about, you know, how much pressure does it take to actually flex that rod? You know, the, whether you're, uh, you're casting the rod and, um, or, um, you know, the action of the rod. Um, I think the power, you know, talks a lot about, you know, the line weight you're using, the, uh, the bait that you're going to be, you know, casting. And, and, uh, and, then, and then you look at the action in that description, and it actually tells you, you know, where does that, uh, where does that uh, rod flex? and uh you know how fast it actually flexes and i think that has more to do with once the bait's in the water so there's a lot of different um you know things that you want to look at and and uh you know but i think those are important in the way you fish and and uh you know how you fish so you know whether you're fishing trout and you want to use an ultralight or or you know whether you're you know fishing plastics and you know you know you uh you want a medium you know there's a lot of different uh categories in which to select a rod Absolutely. And, and I think a lot of people really overlook the finer details of that. So they'll come into the store, they'll give the rod a shake, and they'll say, okay, that has too much action, or that doesn't have no, enough action. And people don't quite understand what that means. So the faster the action a rod is, that means that it's going to be bending the, the out, out towards the tip. Now, when you have an extra fast action rod bending just toward the tip, that's best for applications like snap jigging. So all these jigging wrap applications that we've talked about over the, the course of the show in the last couple of weeks when we're talking about the fall fishing, that snap jigging application is best suited with an extra fast action rod. So one of my favorites is the 6 foot 8 inch medium extra fast rod. And the beautiful thing about St. Croix is that they offer that rod in, in multiple different uh, multiple different models, don't they? They do, you know. They have, um, and that's that's the cool thing is whether you're, you know, you're throwing jerk baits, you're throwing topwaters, um, you know, they really have applications to meet all those those needs, you know, all the way up from you know jerk baits to you know uh, pitching swim baits and, and a rigs and you know so so all that is is uh, listed in the description. But uh, you know, to target the fish and the way that you want to fish, I think it's important to 
uh, you know, get the right action and the right power of the rod. Absolutely. And and the beautiful thing once again here is that, you know, one of my favorites, like I said, that six foot eight inch medium extra fast, that's available in multiple different options. But the Mojo Bass series of rod is something I kind of want to focus in on just for a second here. So the Mojo Bass offers the IPC technology and, and Bob has, has purchased some of those as of late. And we've been very, very satisfied with those, but that is a, a low $100 rod. So it's roughly 120 to $150, depending upon the rod you're looking for but it gives you a rod with very high performance. So that IPC technology means they're actually wrapping individual mandrels with the graphite. So it's eliminating any of your transition points. And when you're actually doing that, it's it's creating a rod that's more crisp. And, and there's all kinds of different... It says, it says bass, but it, it offers a multi-species application in that size. So, yeah. Yeah, you know I mean, it's fantastic. And I mean, and but as we're talking about that rod, though... Let's slide over to some others as well. So that IPC technology is really what I look at when I am looking for a higher quality rod from St. Croix. But let's talk about the Avids for a second. The Avids have all kinds of different models all the way across the board. Now, whether you're a trout fisherman or a walleye fisherman or a bass fisherman, uh, talk to us some, about some of the advantages of that Avid series. Yeah, Austin, you know, the, uh, you talked a little bit about that, uh, you know, the IPC uh, technology and and, uh, you know, when you look at that, ice, it's, it's kind of tough to, to understand how that works. But if you want to, you talked a little bit about ridges in the, uh, in, in the blank. And, and if you would kind of, you know, for the listeners out there that, you know, haven't necessarily seen, um, you know, a rod blank in the way it's made, you know, kind of look at it uh, like, a, like a, the tip of an airplane, how smooth and, and transition that goes back to the, you know, to the airplane. And uh, a lot of different manufacturers and some of our rods, you know, that doesn't have that t- technology, they have little, you know, breaks and, and, and ridges in the way that, that that rod is constructed. And what that affects mostly is, is again, when you're casting and, and uh, you, you know, you, you have a big fish on it, it, it won't break as easy. It's a lot smoother in its casting. And uh, ultimately, it, uh, you know, it provides a better, um, you know, casting, um, uh, casting blank. So, uh, but talking a little bit about the Avage, you know, again, that uh, it does feature the IPC uh, technology. We offer it in the casting rods and spinning rods, all the way up to you know we have a six four medium extra fast, all the way up to uh, you know a seven ten you know heavy fast, and you know maybe if you're you're pitching frogs or something that would be you know a great application for you. So you know St. Croix, we've been you know we've been making rods for for seventy years, and and um, you know we really um, we listen to the fishermen, and we and we we've heard from them, and we get their feedback, and we take that actually to the to the factory and implement it in each rod series that we. That, that we make and um you know whether again you're you're introductory to fishing or you're you know you're um you know you're a tournament fisherman um you know we offer a lot of different rods for a lot of different people so absolutely and you know a lot of people when they think st croix they think ice fishing or, or conventional fishing in the open water but they also have a fantastic selection of fly rods uh, all of which are available down at discount fishing tackle we have a, a fantastic selection from the bottom to the top so whether you're looking for a hundred dollar rod or a five hundred dollar rod i have you covered down there but the fly rods i think are really overlooked they offer all the same technologies that the conventional rods have at multiple price points so you can really get an, a rod that is meant for colorado fish with what type of species you're targeting st croix makes that rod so the fly rods like i said it's it's another thing to to really look at but we're running out of time here matt i certainly appreciate you coming on we're gonna talk a little bit about some ice fishing here in this next segment so there's a couple of new ice rods from st croix so just real quick why don't you just uh walk us through that yeah awesome like you said we you know we offer um you know rods for kind of every angler and every application out there but uh 
you know, we make some fantastic ice rods as well. You know, we, um, we uh, have a brand new rod this year. It's our uh, St. Croix Custom Ice. And, and the thing that makes this so cool is, again, they, they uh, you know, specify it to each of your, you know, each of the anglers' needs and, and what they want to actually accomplish on the ice. And, you know, they make it in a, a, in a solid carbon, um, and they make actually in a, in a glass um, blank. So, again, we offer that in anything from a, from a 20-inch all the way up to a 42-inch um, a medium heavy. So again, if you're, you know, whether you're fishing panfish or you're, you're fishing small trout and big trout, um, again, those, those, um, those rods will, will, um, work in each of those applications. So, uh, brand new rod for us this year, I think it's going to be super successful. And, um, you know, it is on the, um, probably the, um, you know, the high side as far as the pricing standpoint, but again, it offers things that, uh, um, you know, you can't get from maybe the, um, um, smaller, um, smaller price point rods sure well matt it sounds fantastic you know we're going to be carrying a few of those rods this winter as well we're certainly looking forward to it and when we get back here we're going to be talking about ice fishing we're going to a lot of people are 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 chomping at the bit to get after that so we're going to give a little update as to what we're hearing right now and and talk about some ice safety coming up so you're listening to 104.3 the fan Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. So, Bob, you know, right now a lot of people are thinking about all your open water options, you know, hunting, whether you're walleye fishing or fly fishing, but ice fishing truly is right around the corner right here, and I kind of want to make mention of that a little bit right now. So it is going to be here before we know it. Yeah, I mean, we heard Nate talk earlier, you know, that, the, you know, in his opinion, you know, the the end's coming really close, and he's probably talking South Park and North Park, I assume, Middle Park. And, uh, you know, as a longtime ice fisherman, um, you know, there's there's a few critical times in the winter when you can really have a chance at not just catching a fish, but the fish of a lifetime and, and numerous fish. And, um, you know, that, that early ice, you know, you don't ever want to push it, you know, and, and put yourself in an unsafe situation, but, you know, you know, being on Antero, you know, the first couple of weeks it's safe. Being on Lake John, Delaney Buttes, you know, all these premier ice fishing lakes in that early time can just be phenomenal. Yeah, so, I mean, let's talk about options that someone has early ice. So, typically right around Thanksgiving, the high elevation really gets going. So, places like St. Mary's Glacier or various other lakes that are up in and around Timberline are going to lock down fairly early. But quickly after that, we're going to have Georgetown, um, and then we'll have some of our larger lakes locked. But one thing I do want to mention, a lot of folks really look forward to the Kokanee Salmon at Dillon this time of year. Well, unfortunately, the water levels are fairly low right now, and that might not happen. So, the Snake River Inlet is totally dry right now. So depending upon how cold it gets early, those salmon are going to be coming in that area generally, but up the actual inlet itself is is not an option this year. So people might have to, you know, resort towards um, Antero or Lake John or, or Delaney Buttes. You know, I know Antero has been one of your favorite options over the years. Yeah, and, um, you know, typically by, you know, Thanksgiving, we're, we're getting there, give or take, by 1st of December. Um, but let me ask you a question. So as a, as somebody that wants to know, you know, when's the safe ice or somebody wants to get into ice fishing, what options are available through you at Discount Fishing Tackle? Well, I hear all kinds of reports, not only reports from other anglers, but also from myself and, and my own guide. So we guide ice fishing along with, um, you know, the, all the walleye fishing as well. But I get 
firsthand experience when it comes to these, these safe ice conditions. So I'm usually looking for at least six inches of ice. Some folks will head out on a little bit less, and it, it can be safe with four inches of ice, but the biggest thing you're looking for in that early season is that clear ice. Clear ice is always stronger than white ice. But give us a call down at the shop because we are able to give you up-to-date information on, on what the ice conditions are. So, you know, like I said, we're just south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe, 2645 South Santa Fe Drive. But if you give us a ring down there, 303 Six nine eight two five five zero. We can give you ice updates from the very start all the way through the very end. So if Chatfield's freezing, Cherry Creek's freezing, or any of your high elevation lakes, we can certainly help out with that. So when my my family used to have a fishing store a long time ago, you know we we offered some ice fishing seminars, and I know you know uh, from being down there in your shop this uh, last summer, you were offering fly fishing classes, but you're converting that over into the ice fishing mm-hmm. seminars this time of the year. Yep. So starting on Thursday, November 1st here, we are going to be offering free ice fishing classes. They're going to be generally ice fishing 101 classes, but they're going to run every Thursday through ice fishing season at 6 p.m. So I'll be teaching a lot of them, but we'll be actually able to talk about everything from equipment options, safety concerns, how to rig something, where to find the fish, all of the above. And, you know, as Nate was saying, weed lines are something that are I, I really focus in on, and I'll kind of touch on it here a little bit. But those weed lines, if you can find the areas where those fish are traveling, those weed lines really direct those fish. So trout are a little bit more pelagic. So that means they're not as associated with structure as something like a walleye or, or a bass would be. So they'll travel these edges of these weed lines. And if you can intercept them with a, a variety of, of techniques, but one of my favorite ways to go is, is a jigging rod and a dead stick rod. So I'll have a, a little bit uh, soft plastic with a little bit more motion or a spoon and then put my dead stick rod down below, meaning it's just going to sit still with something like a rat finky or a rat so tipped with a waxworm or a mealworm. Man, if you can intercept those fish with that technique, you can catch a lot of fish. Yeah, so so talking about safety, you know, um, talk about going out on on a lake that you know, you know, again, early season ice is a lot different than late season ice, and you know how you go about, you know, using a spud bar to check your safety as you move out on the lake. Well, you mentioned a spud bar. My spud bar sales, unfortunately, last year were about as good as they've ever been with the uh, poor ice quality that we had across the front range. So hopefully that'll change a little bit this year. But spud bars are the number one safety tool, in my opinion, that you can have. Big, heavy bar. Basically, it allows you, as you're walking out on the ice, to, to check that ice in front of you. You'll give some really big, hard hits on that, and it will tell you immediately if if you are going to go through or not as, as you move forward. So I'm using that spud bar and and I'll use it first to get out on the ice. I'll get deep enough so that my auger doesn't hit bottom and I'll be able to actually drill down and check my ice thickness. And as long as I'm in that neighborhood of of four to six inches to start with of clear ice, I will continue. But the biggest thing to consider, especially if you're a front range fisherman, there are a lot of springs in some of these lakes, especially in lakes like with gravel pits like Chatfield or Boyd, where you'll go all the way up there and you'll have good ice for the majority of your way out. And then all of a sudden you'll check and it'll go right through. So that spud bar is critically important even after you check the ice. So along with maybe a life jacket or a rope, all of the above are going to be really important as you head out on safe ice. Yeah, and I think, you know, another really good tip, just like, you know, you know, I don't think you should hunt by yourself. And, you know, ice fishing, you know, it's is, is to me, it's um, kind of a so, social activity. It's a social event, you know, yeah. so, you know, um, uh, especially early season ice, but I, I think any time you go ice fishing, you you should go with somebody and you know carrying a rope and and having that spud bar. 
Um, you know, I tell people if if you don't know what a spud bar is, stop down and see Austin. If, if if you're an ice fisherman and don't have one, you should own one. And if you want to get into ice fishing, it's just they're not that expensive, and you can use it to to actually make make a hole in the ice. I don't like it necessarily for that because it leaves sharp edges. But boy, early season. I, I'm always using it, but you know when when I used to be a hardcore ice fisherman, it was always with me. Absolutely, and it's always with me as well. So we'll we'll walk out and utilize that spud bar, and its safety is certainly the the most important factor. Well before catching any fish. So so real quick, Austin, I I want to mention you know I, I'm a huge fly fisherman too, and uh, for folks listening, if you haven't been to Austin's store, um, they have without a doubt the greatest selection of flies. I think in in this part of the country, not just Colorado, and along with that are his ice jig selection. Um, you know, the thing I love about Austin Store, it's a family-owned business. The people that work there are just like Austin. They live and breathe fishing, and, um, you know, as somebody that's a consumer, um, you know, we need to support local businesses. Uh, like Discount Tackle and Valley Country Store and local businesses. And and if if you're a fisherman and you haven't been into Austin's shop, you owe it to yourself to get down and say hello to them there. It's a super friendly shop, and and these folks fish, let me tell you. And, you know, you can call them up, but get down and visit the store. You'll be really impressed. Well, I certainly appreciate that, Bob. And we strive to give you know, some of the, the best advice possible in town. So if you're looking to, to get a, a, whether you're setting up a new setup or, or just looking for a place to fish, we can certainly help out. But uh, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk to Ronnie Castiglione from Fishful Thinker. Um, you're listening to 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. My name is Austin Parr, and I'm with Discount Fishing Tackle filling in for Terry Wickstrom uh, while he is out on assignment this week. But we're going to go right to the phones here. We're going to talk to Ronnie Castiglione of Fishful Thinker. We're going to talk about picking up the right jig. Ronnie, how are you? Good, Austin. How are you guys doing this morning? Doing well. So Bob Hicks and I are in, in, st- are in studio today. We were talking about how to pick up the right St. Croix rod earlier. Why don't you talk about how to pick up uh, the right jig to put on the end of that rod? Yeah, you know, Austin, it's this time of year, especially as we get to fall and, and with ice fishing just right around the corner, uh, you know, deciding to utilize the right jig head for the presentation can make all the difference in the world. And it's something I run into clients a lot. It's something I run into with just people that I fish with in general. You know, we get out there and a lot of times I see guys just kind of pick up any random jig and, and try to put something like a gulp minnow on it or this and that, and not really paying a lot of attention to some of the finer details of why they should be choosing that jig. Sure. So let's kind of talk about a few of the common ones that are out there, sort of the style of jigs. And then we can talk about kind of you know choosing the right size hook and things like that to go with the presentation austin absolutely so you know like let's just talk about the three big ones that that, that are real real common that you're going to see at most of the tackle shops that you're going to run into and i'm just talking about standard jig heads you know jig heads that don't have any attachments on them that kind of a thing so you know basic ones you're going to look at are going to be like a ball style jig head maybe a darter head or maybe a football style jig so let's just talk about those three right off the bat absolutely there, um, take a presentation as simple as a gulp minnow. Uh, you know, 
very little self-sustained action in that gulp minnow. The tail will flap around a little bit, but the gulp minnow doesn't have a lot of appendages, doesn't have a lot of things thumping on it, this and that. You know, those three jig heads will absolutely affect that gulp minnow and how that gulp minnow is going to work its way through the water column or how that gulp minnow may work its way through the bottom as you're dragging it along the bottom. So let's just take like a darter head, for example, Austin. Uh, darter heads, you, you know, a lot of guys like to utilize the darter heads on minnow body baits. Absolutely. Um, Darter heads, you know, when you're, when you're tight lined to those things and you're allowing them to glide and pendulum, they kind of dart around a little bit. And so that's kind of how they get their, their, you know, their namesake, that sort of a thing. But it's been my experience with a darter head that when you slack out a darter head and allow it to fall, it's going to fall in a relatively tight to medium tight spiraling action when you, when you slack out that darter head. Well, that's important this time of year because this time of year we are fishing vertically with jigs a lot. Absolutely. the ice or open water. And some days that spiraling action is the key. That's what they're looking for some days, Austin. Yeah. But then there's other days where if you've got that lure and you've got a gulp minnow on there and it's falling in a one- or two-foot circle and spiraling straight down, the fish will not touch it certain days. They may be looking for a bait that wants to fall either straight down real, real fast or they're looking for a bait that wants to glide kind of side-to-side side and sort of, sort of pendulum in that action. So like a ball head, in my experience, on a gulp minnow will glide a lot more than a darter head when you absolutely slack it out. will the ball head doesn't want to spin necessarily in a tight circle when you slack it out it will glide off to one side and then maybe turn around after it gets a few feet off and then glide back to another side or it'll turn straight over and go straight down sometimes that slight difference austin can make all the difference between getting the fish to bite and you know i have a recent example of that we just went up to north park a few weeks back and we were up there targeting big trout and that day, you know, we started off fishing gulp minnows and things like that on darter heads, and we weren't getting the bites. The fish really didn't want that spiraling action on the fall. I made the switch to a ball head, and immediately I started catching the rainbows that are up there. And it's just it's that simple that they wanted it gliding. They didn't want it doing a tight circular pattern. Little things like that when you're looking at jigs can make all the difference in the world. Now, also, Austin, if you take that same gold minnow and you put it on that other style, the football-style jig head, I really tend to like to use the football styles when I – am in that dragging it on the bottom mode more of a stand-up so, yeah and, and like the way i like to explain it to clients you know because they look at it and they go well, what's the difference here what's that going to do i like to explain it that you know that gulp minnow on that on that football jig when i'm dragging that thing along the bottom it's going to look like a dog wagging its tail um, it's going to get up there. It's going to rock from side to side like a football would as you pull it over the gravel, over the rocks, and things like that. So that tail is going to stand up real high, and it's going to swing from left to right as that jig kind of wobbles from left to right. Absolutely. That's important to understand. You know, there's certain days and certain times, Austin, especially with fish like walleyes, where that's the action they're looking for. That's the thing they want to they're, they're targeting in on. So it's important to understand that. It's important to have a selection of a few different jigs. And the other Thing that's really important, Austin, and this is a big one that I, I talk to clients a lot. You know me, you know Chad, you know me and Dan. We, we all like to fish a lot of gulp products up Absolutely. here in Northern Colorado. Um, 
it's been my experience that traditional jig heads that have a barb-style collar, if you're looking at the collar on the jig head, right under the head of the jig, the, the part that's going to hold the gulp minnow to the hook right up there, uh, this traditional barb style that has the little barb that sticks up, when you set the hook on a gulp minnow with a jig head like that, you can almost be guaranteed that you're going to rip the head out of that gulp minnow. You're going to be going through um, a lot of plastics really quick. You're going to be going through a lot of them real, real quick. And it is a reason that I've talked to some people and they've steered away from gulp minnows is because they uh, they weren't necessarily utilizing the right jig head. It, you know, years and years ago, I went on a quest, Austin, and I tried just about every jig head I could find from all the producers around. And it came to the fact that if I could find a jig head that had a plunger-style collar on it, it's a collar that has a little plunger shape. It looks like yeah. an upside-down kind of a plunger sort of little a deal. cone if kind of I things could, almost. Yeah, exactly. If I could find those jig heads, those type of jig heads would hold that gulp minnow a lot more efficiently. Um, when you set the hook on one of those, it either just stays right where it is, or it may slide down a little bit, but it didn't rip the top of the yep. gulp minnow. You can and push it right back up on there. So, yeah, you know, and Berkeley a few years back came out with a, a few different jig heads, and the half head is one of the jig heads they have. Uh, they incorporated that plunger style collar onto that jig head to hold that gulp minnow. Now, another thing that I run to a lot of times, Austin, as well, is even with that plunger style collar, if it's painted all the way down through that collar so that the paint on the jig head goes all the way and that collar part has paint on it, it will not effectively hold that gold minnow like an unpainted collar would. And they figured that out at Berkeley as well. So all of their collars that they put on their jig heads don't have any paint on them. That's so it adheres to that product better and doesn't slide off and rip like I was talking about. Just little things like that, Austin. When people are utilizing jigs, if they think about those kind of things, it'll make them more effective, and it'll definitely up their catch rate. Absolutely. And, you know, all those new Berkeley jig heads are equipped with the Fusion 19 hooks as well, which are about as razor sharp as anything. So that's always an important factor as well. And and selecting the the proper jig head for your right right bottom content is also important. You know, maybe go into a little bit less expensive jig head if you have a lot of snags. But if I can get away with a high end jig with a high end hook, I'm always going there, even if it costs a couple more dollars. Yeah, and this time of year, Austin, this time of year, I'm targeting big fish. You know, Absolutely. That's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for numbers. This time of year, I am not skimping on my jig heads. This yep. is when I'm going to use the high-dollar jig head because I don't want the hook to bend. I don't want those kind of issues. It tends to be I'm not dragging on the bottom this time of year. It tends to be most of the fish are suspended or they're up chasing, and I'm fishing them vertically or that kind of a thing. So I go with the high-dollar jig head this time of year. The other thing people want to keep in mind, and it's something I see people do wrong all the time, is you got to really match the size hook that's on the jig head to the presentation that you're utilizing. So a one-aught hook, for example, on a three-inch gulp minnow is going to have a lot more action than if you try to put that gulp minnow on a three-aught hook. Absolutely. Hook real far back in the body. So there's the right amount of hook, and then there's also too little hook. If you show up with a one-aught hook and you're fishing a five-inch jerk shad or something like that, then a lot of times you may end up missing those fish because they're just not getting the bait into their mouth far enough, and you're feeling it and you're setting the hook too soon, that kind of thing. So there's always going to be the right size hook for the presentation and then of course we can also talk about the weight of the jig the, this time of year the big thing i'm keying in on is rate of fall and so i'm looking at how fast that lure is going to fall through the water column how quickly i can get down to depth when i'm marking fish on the graph um how how good of a job it's going to fall through if there's a little bit of wind in the in the scenario and that kind of a thing so rate of fall is the big deal a lot of times this time of year and you wouldn't think switching from a one eighth to a three six 
16th ounce jig would make that big of a difference. But I'm here to tell you, Austin, there's been days out on horse tooth where we're targeting those real, real big trout in the past, and they wouldn't bite the one eighth ounce jig. They wouldn't bite the quarter ounce jig. The three sixteenth ounce was the deal, Absolutely. or vice versa. So, you know, paying attention to those, especially as you get into ice season, definitely going to make you a better angler in the long run, Austin. I can't agree more. So, I mean, Ronnie, it's the most important thing is is selecting the the proper tackle for this the correct pre, uh, presentation. And we were talking about it with the St. Croix rods earlier. Jigs, you know, it's equally as important. But we're running out of time here. Um, if somebody wants to get a hold of you for a guide trip, what's the best way to do that? Fishfulthinker.com. You can go on our website. You can get all the information there. You can find us on Facebook as well. Uh, Fishful Thinker. You can find Chat Chance on Facebook, or you can find me, Ronnie Castiglione, on Facebook. Uh, send us a message. Get a hold of us. We are booking for next year already, so uh, get a hold of us, and we'll get you on the calendar and get you out there. And as always, check out Fishful Thinker TV on Altitude Channel Saturday mornings. So that's a uh, a fantastic program to watch if you're looking if you're a regional angler. So as you know, you guys are top notch up there. In northern colorado absolutely and real fast austin we're also starting to put old episodes official thinker onto the youtube so you can find old episodes full episodes online now and people have really been asking for that for the last few years so excellent right there as well thank you so much for coming on i certainly appreciate it all right you guys have a good one absolutely well we're out of time here bob that was a fantastic show talking about all kinds of different outdoor related activities in colorado so that was awesome i certainly appreciate you coming on Thank you, Austin. Absolutely. So once again, as a reminder, next week, uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is preempted for Air Force football. It is only a one-half-hour show. Um, Ed Gorman will be on to talk about the pheasant season outlook. Once again, I'm Austin Parr from Discount Fishing Tackle. I certainly appreciate you tuning in.